Amen. You may be seated tonight. I'm going to read just a little bit, not too terribly much, but uh, I'll let you be seated for that. What a great time we had here on Sunday. Great word from God. And uh, if you weren't blessed on Sunday, amen, you probably just weren't in the building. Because uh, if you were in the building, I know the Lord was here in a great way. Amen. I'm taking you to Exodus tonight, chapter 15. And uh, I really feel like tonight, and I pray that always I've heard from the Lord when it's my time to stand before you. But I really feel like tonight um, that uh, what I'm going to say is, is really uh, for us in this moment and in this season. So uh, if you'll help me tonight, it'll go a lot greater. Uh, maybe a little preach in this tonight, but that's okay. We're still a preaching people, aren't we? Amen. Uh, so Exodus chapter 15, starting at verse number 1, And then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And the scripture goes on and on and on with this great song that Moses and the people of Israel sang. And I'm taking us to verse 23 tonight, which is where I want to draw my comments from. And when they had come to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And then they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. I'm going to take my text from that second portion of the scripture tonight, and I want to talk to you about the blessing of bitter water. The blessing of bitter water. That almost sounds like a paradox, an oxymoron. Two words that don't go together, blessing and bitterness. But hopefully through this lesson tonight, maybe we can leave with a little understanding. This 15th chapter of Exodus begins with a bang. And there is no preacher worth his salt that uh, doesn't love this opening. It is the ideal. It is the utopia. It is the heart cry of every pastor because in this passage, God's people are all in one voice. 
They are singing the same song on the shoreline of victory. They are looking at a defeated enemy, and they are simply giving God praise. Oh, how sweet it would be to walk into a church service like this. Everyone is giving God praise. Everyone is shouting victory. Every devil that chased you into the house is disappearing under the tide. What a great way to start church. There's really no warming up. There's no easing into it. There's no cheerleading, no pumping, no priming, no begging, no hype, no need for an explanation, no need for directives, but just a leader stepping in front of the line offers up to God a song of thanks. Why did I start a Wednesday night Bible class with this scripture? Why am I taking our attention to it tonight? Because before we go any further, I want you to settle it tonight. We, as the people of God, can have this. And furthermore, we should expect this. Because this is more than just a transition from one point in the story to another. This is more than, pardon my English tonight, but this is more than just plot acceleration or continuing action. But this is an example neatly tucked between two realities that we're all going to face as children of God. Number one, there will be good times. There will be victories. There will be highs. There will be times when the goodness of God is so present that you can literally see it in action. There's going to be times when the favor of God is showing off of you like the sun that shone so brightly today. Times when the glory of God must be acknowledged and it must be proclaimed because this is the very song that God wants us to remember when we can't see him anywhere near us because as you already know from my text bitter water is coming trials and testing are just down the road problems and situations are going to arise circumstances are going to come things aren't always going to be standing on those shorelines watching devils take their last breath so we got to learn how to load the wagon, and we got to learn how to fill the tank, and we've got to get a song of celebration that will carry us through our seasons of confusion. So before I take us to bitter water, let me teach us about the song. It's known as the song of Moses. It's an example of how you react to God's Goodness. It's a biblical principle. It's an apostolic principle because according to Scripture, it's a mandate given to us in Psalms 104. It taught us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to come into his courts with praise. See, you've got to get this tonight and you've got to understand. Praise and thanksgiving are backward-facing reactions. They are given in response to what he has already 
done. See, many confuse praise and thanksgiving and worship. But I want you to understand worship is different from thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise look back on what he has done. But worship looks forward to my future and what is in front of me and who he is. Abraham, let me give you an example. Abraham took Isaac to the mountain to offer him to God. And when they said, what are you doing? He said, the lad and I go to worship him. Abraham was taking his future. He was taking his promise. He was taking his seed. And he was saying, God, I'll give this back to you because I know what you have done and I know where you're leading me to. Worship exceeds praise. But you will never become a worshiper if you fail as a praiser. (laughs) See, if you know the Lord and He has ever worked for you, it doesn't matter if today isn't perfect. It doesn't matter if everything didn't swing your way today. You still owe him praise when you walk in his house for all that he has done just to get you here tonight. And this verse sets a precedent for us that praise must become our practice and our thanksgiving to God must be paramount in our life. No matter where I'm at presently, he's already earned my thanks and he's already earned my praise. He's worthy of it tonight. Amen. I can't stay here, but you've got to settle it tonight. He didn't say wait until you got there. To see if they was going to sing your song or your preacher was preaching to decide if I'm going to give him some praise. He didn't say wait to see if everything's favorable in the building. You know, the temperature is just right and the lighting's just right and my buddy's there and all my friends are there and everything's just right. He didn't say wait until you got there to determine if you were going to give him some praise. David is speaking of a state of mind, more a state of spirit, that if you know him, you've settled it long before you got to the front door even that I'm coming to the house of God to lift up the name of a great God who's been great to me. Come on, he didn't suddenly decide when he got into the house of the Lord that he was going to praise him, but while he was brushing his teeth and looking in the mirror, he made up his mind, when I get to the house of the Lord, I'm going to sing his praise. When he was picking out his clothes to wear, he was thinking about, I'm going to praise him. Before you ever come, you've got to settle it. I'm going to give him praise. That's why David's recorded as saying things. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. And this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. David had some bad days just like you and I have had. But he knew if I can get into the house of the Lord, 
and into the presence of my God. It can all be taken care of because he has brought me to this place and I know he's got his hand on me. See, you can't wait and you can't waver. You've just got to make up in your mind, God's been good to me and I'm going to praise him for it. Amen. See, it's, it's almost dangerous on a Wednesday night to come in and preach, preach a message like this. On Sunday, you'd be up shouting with me. I ain't getting on nobody tonight. I'm just telling you. We come in with a, it's like the preacher preach. We got the measuring sticks, you know. It's Wednesday night. It's just supposed to be a Bible study, Brother Hodge. But I wonder, does anybody have a praise for the Lord tonight? Did anybody come and say, God, you've been good to me. That's why the heat didn't stop me. And that's why my excuses didn't stop me. But I made it to the house of the Lord because I owe you something tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Why can we preach that? Why do we declare that in here service after service and expect a response? Because of this precedent that I've read to you tonight. An enemy has been destroyed. And immediately we receive the reaction of the people of God. Then sang Moses. I love that it was Moses doing the singing. Because when you, if you know much about Scripture and, and you know much about Moses, he really ain't the guy that you think is going to be singing. You know, singing and psalmist and those types of things aren't really his forte. That's not really where he hangs his hat. This is a guy with such low self-esteem that he has to have a spokesman. Think about it. God literally pulled him aside through a burning Bush spoke to him in an audible voice, turned him into a leper, cleansed his leprosy, took his staff, made it into a snake, turned it back into a staff again, all to convince him, I'm God. No wonder he said to us, prove me and see that I am good and that I am the Lord. God's not intimidated tonight by your doubts. God's not intimidated by that lack of belief that wants to get on us. In fact, God is motivated by that tonight. He just wants to show you how truly great he is. God commissions Moses to go lead his people out of bondage. He's just proven his power. He's just stood in his presence, but in his flesh. All he can think of is his st st stuttering problem. Never once in all of what God was showing him and all of what God was doing did Moses say, well, then heal me then. If you want me to go speak to Pharaoh, then touch this speech of mine and give me the words. But no, instead, he says, let me take Aaron with me and let him do the talking. This guy can't even talk. And now he's singing. God took a man that didn't have the courage to go speak four words to one single man, stood him up 
before a nation and gave him a song that was 22 verses long in your scripture. Really? Moses? What kind of song can he sing? Surely this ain't going to be any good. Right? No way is Moses singing. When you think of eloquence and psalms and beautiful songs, it's David that's on your mind, right? You got a book full of them. He's poetic. Words just flow out of him. But Moses, nah, not hardly. Mm, ain't the guy that, you know, David, it, pardon me for this analogy, but David's kind of like the, the Conway Twitty of his day. You know, Moses is more like Mel Tillis. See, you can listen to mail, but let's be honest, it ain't hello, darling. Right? But when God gives you a song, oh, come on now. Of all the songs penned by King David with all their splendor, none are sweeter than this song. It's known as the Song of Moses. It was his first and his last performance in the song industry, but what a hit it was. See, the song didn't make it to your Bible because it was beautifully sung. The song made it to your Bible because of how it was birthed. you got to understand, it wasn't just idle words thrown together on a page. It wasn't just notes strung together to make a pretty sound. No, this song had some meaning. It had some substance because it was born out of an experience and a trust in the Lord. It was Moses' way of expressing his thankfulness for God, to God for all that he had done for him. 400 years. Think about that. 400 years. Moses and the children of Israel have been captive. They've been under the thumb of an Egyptian oppressor. They had been slaves to Pharaoh. They had lost the freedom that they should have possessed as the people of God. And they had sadly become nothing more than workhorses in the kingdom of their enemy. You know why? Somebody before them quit singing. Somebody stopped dreaming. Somebody forgot we're supposed to tell this story of this guy, Joseph. Somebody forgot we're supposed to keep this thing in front of everybody because when the story faded and the song ended, <laughs> the enemy forgot who they were. The scripture said it like this, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Why? Because someone had forgotten to sing. Hear me tonight in this Wednesday Bible class. You've got a song to sing tonight. It is the song of the redeemed. And it is so powerful that the angels literally, according to Scripture, stand at attention when you sing it. They look in on us from heaven's balcony with wonder and amazement and desire to sing it with you. But God reserved that song just for us. Not only does heaven hear your song when you sing it, 
the enemy hears your song when you sing it and it reminds him of who you belong to and it reminds him of that blood that has washed you clean and it reminds him that there is a God that is fighting for them. And if you quit singing, the enemy forgets about the God that protects you. In fact, hear me on this. Every single day, something I, I think we ought to teach this so often that it never leaves our minds. Every single day, Satan shouts your sins and your failures to God. Every single day. Since his dismissal from heaven, he has had to go before the throne of God and give an account of what he's doing. And every single day, he throws up every mistake we make and every misstep we make and all of the things that we're not doing right. But remember, Job, isn't that exactly what happened? As the enemy was coming through, the accuser of the brethren, Satan was just simply doing his job. And today he does it against you and me, all of us. If you don't believe that, just go read Revelation 12 when you get home and you'll find that he's still doing that today. How in the world then, here's my question, knowing that, that Satan is meeting with God every day telling him what I've done wrong. How in the world then, knowing that, could we not be a praying people? How could we not be a singing people and a worshiping people? If you think I'm going to sit around and let the devil talk to God more about me than I talk to God about me, you are crazy. If he's going to meet with him every day and say, look at what a failure he is. Look at what he said. Look at what he did. Look at his attitude. Look at all of these things that he's doing wrong. Then I'm going to find me a place every day and I'm going to kneel before God and I'm going to say, he's absolutely right. I'm rotten and I'm filthy, but thank you for the blood of Calvary that still will wash away way a multitude of sins mm. I want God to hear from me I want God to know me I want God to then look at Satan and say you are a liar his sins are under the blood he's cleansed and he's free and he's redeemed if you don't believe it just listen to his song come on somebody I don't know about you but I want my song tonight of praise to torment the devil I want my song tonight of praise to be ringing in his ear but I want more importantly it to remind him that my God did see me as a failure but he thought I was worth it and he paid the ultimate price and he bought my redemption because I understand if I quit singing the enemy starts winning and it happened to the children of Israel 
But all of that was over now. Pharaoh and his army had just vanished beneath the waters of the Red Sea. Moses had led the people out, and God dealt with their pursuing adversaries. Somebody needs to latch on to that statement today. God, or Moses rather, led them out. The man of God told them what to do. He led them out, and God took care of the things trying to pull them back. Oh, help me, Jesus. Hear this preacher today. If you want to be free from the enemy in your life, it's going to take more than just a little want to. The devil is not in the business of just letting you go because you want to be free. But if you're ever going to see him destroyed in your life, you got to do something about it. Yeah. See, Moses didn't sit around on his on his Egyptian couch, in his Egyptian house, watching the Egyptian nightly news and complain and moan to God about all of his troubles. But he got up. He got up. See, the enemy always wants to take you down. That's why all through the Bible you will find redemption happens up. Lift up your heads. Look unto the Heals from whence thy help comes from. See, somebody needs to lift up and look up and just get up. What did Moses do once he got up? He obeyed the voice of God and he led his people out. And this is what comes to say tonight. The same formula that worked for him will still work for you. God told him to go. God gave him a word. God set the plan in motion, but Moses had to do his part. See, you can't just sit around and just hope God will zap all your enemies with a lightning bolt and make everything all right. But you've got to demonstrate faith by being obedient to what God tells you to do. I know it may be scary. Sometimes the things God says and asks us to do, they are scary. Sometimes they seem like a task too big for us to be able to accomplish. Sometimes, and most of the time, if God's asking you to do it, it's going to be out of your comfort zone, and it's going to be out of your abilities, and it's going to be out of your gifting. But if you will just get up and obey, oh, Jesus, if you will just do what he said, here's what I'm telling you tonight. You don't have to worry about the enemy because God's going to take care of them. See, that was the beauty of this story. As long as Moses did what the Lord said, God took care of the enemy. See, you can't sit around and worry about your past. You can't sit around and worry about the things you've done wrong, the mess-ups, the addictions, what somebody might say. You just got to get up, obey what God said to you, and let him work for you. I promise you tonight, if, you, if he lets you down, you come and tell us, and you'll be the first one he's ever let down. Now, I ain't saying you might not slip. You may slip, you may fall, you may make a mistake again, but you can't let that stop you either because there's a scripture for that too. The Bible said, Proverbs 24, 16, a just man falls seven times, yet he gets back up again. What makes him just? Of course, it's not the falling. It's not what makes him just. It's the getting back up again. 
These children of Israel, they set the example. So it ought to strengthen our faith. They got up and they left. They took action. The enemy got mad because that's how he works. Again, I'll say it again. Don't think he's just going to let you waltz out from under him without a fight. That's not how he operates. But if God said go, this is what I'm saying tonight. Don't worry about the enemy that pursues you just keep listening to God and wait till God speaks again. Because watch this. First, he told Moses, get them up and get moving. That's why we like This ain't in my notes. That's why we like activity in the church. Because before you can go any further, you've got to get them up and get them moving. Uh, I'm going to leave that alone tonight. But the next word was different. Get them up, get them going, and this, then this is what I want you to do, Exodus 14, 13. This is when he was talking to him. This is before we got there. This is when he was talking to him. He said this, fear you not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. Talking about now faith. That's now faith right there. Fear not, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you, and you can just hold your peace. Moses' actions, Moses' faith, Moses' obedience unlocked God to be able to give him a second word. Mm, I'm declaring to you tonight, just like Moses relayed to the children of Israel, if you have a word from God, if you have a promise from God, you have nothing to fear. No devil, no man, no disease, you name it, whatever it is that is against you, nothing can rob you of your promise. Moses, don't be afraid. But God, I can hear it. But God, there's an army behind us. We're running. They're in chariots. They got horses. We're going to be overtaken. They're going to run us down. They're going to kill us. God just said, I don't care, Moses. I've got it under control. And in fact, just to prove it to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop, and I want you to just stand there. I want you to stand still. I want you to quit running. I want you to quit hiding. I want you to quit fleeing. I want you to plant your feet in the promise and own this word. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. But God, this don't make sense. If we quit running, they've got us. And see, that's what we think in the natural I just got to run. I just got to avoid. If we stop, we're going to be destroyed. But God said, you don't understand. You've got to quit being so fearful, and you've got to quit running because from those positions, you will never see. If you keep running, you're going to miss it. If you keep running, your faith will always be in retreat. But I'm trying to show you what happens when you do what I say. And I want you to stop. I want you to turn around. 
I want you to stand still. That means stand in peace or stand in assurance and just watch me work. See, sometimes the Lord is just as fed up with the enemies that are chasing you as you are. Sometimes the Lord draws a line in the sand, too, and says, enough is enough. These are my people, and it's time for you to leave them alone. It's time for me to prove to them that I am their God and that they can trust me. I've given them a word. I've given them an assignment. I've given them a purpose. I've told them what they are to do, and I am tired of you. Keeping them running in fear that they may not see what I'm going to do. So this is my next word. Stop. Quit. Stand still and watch me. I want you to watch your enemies dissolve. I want you to stop trying to figure it out. I want you to quit worrying. I want you to quit trying to fix everything and just turn around and see me in action. Oh, I wish I could preach tonight like I feel it. I'm so mad at the devil tonight. I'm so mad at what he's trying to do to people's faith. I'm here to tell you tonight in the Holy Ghost, if you've stepped out on God's Word, you need to turn around, square your shoulders, plant your feet in the Word, and watch the Lord work for you. Man of God, Moses Declared with authority, he told a confused and a weary, out-of-breath people, just stop running. Turn around and don't you blink. Put your eyes fixed on them and watch what enemies do and things that oppose my word and things that oppose my will. You just stop and stand there and let me work for you. You've been obedient. You've done what I've asked you to do. Now I want you to see that I'm in this with you as well. I didn't call you to do something that I wasn't going to go with you to do. Oh, come on now. Ah, he told him, these things you see, these enemies that are facing you, I'm about to get rid of them. Come on, CLC. I think it's time that we tell some enemies that have been on our heels, it's time for you to vanish. It's time for you to be destroyed. It's time for you to go down because we are walking in obedience to what God has told us to do. Somebody receive that tonight. You can be free in this place. You can live for God in this place. You can break the cycle in this place. You can break that addiction. You can kick it. You can be healed. You can have whatever God said you can have. You can tonight in Jesus' name. Because when you let God handle the issue, it's handled. And that's the beauty of it. When I get it out of my hand and let it get in his hand, it's over with. See, you keep trying to work it out. It'll be back. You keep trying to fix it. It'll be back. Come on now. But Moses told him, don't, don't be afraid. I want you to stand still, watch God. You're going to see his salvation today. But I like this part. This is what I liked about the man of God because this is what God does. He amplifies the word. 
He told him, he said, he, he, he started telling them what God had told him, but he didn't just let his faith speak for today, but a boldness got on the man of God. When they started listening and said, we're following you, Moses, and we're trusting you, Moses, and when you say God said it, we believe it. Something happened in the man of God. And while his faith was strong, he started thinking about next week and next month and next year when the enemy would try to resurface. And he said, not only are you going to see it today, but you're going to see them destroyed no more and forever. Moses said, this ends today and you're not going to fight this battle any longer. I'm tired of this enemy. I'm tired of what they've done to you and my people. Come on, somebody. I say tonight, it's time to let God fight the battle. It's time to let God work it out. It's time to give it to him and say, God, I've carried it as long as I can carry it. I don't even know what to do, but I'm honoring your word tonight and being obedient to what you have said. Here it is, God. Here it is, God. I trust you. Anybody understand what I'm trying to preach tonight and what I'm saying in this place tonight? That's why when we get to chapter 15, Moses is singing a psalm that would make David jealous. Because he's got a song and he's got a testimony, he's got a praise He's got to give God that. For one moment, God said, hold your peace. For just one moment, God said, hold your peace. Don't praise me yet. Just stop, stand still, and see what I'm going to do. Don't praise yet. Hold your peace. Boy, that'd be awesome. Be, I've dreamed of that my whole life. To, 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 to have a church that you've got to calm down. getting in my head tonight. Dreamed of that my whole life. And you just have to walk and say, would y'all just stop a little bit and let me preach a little while tonight? Would y'all just stop tearing the carpet up, running all these aisles and shouting and giving God so much praise? I love it. We'll do it in a minute. But let me say something. Can I just say something? I ain't the only preacher that, that, that dreams of that. <laughs> But he did tell him, he said, look, y'all, you go ahead, you stop just for a second. And you watch. But get this, when Moses saw that enemy go under that red wave of God's glory, <laughs> he didn't wait on permission. He didn't have to get another word from God. He didn't need God to say, all right, now is your time. See, because when you see God do the work. There's something in you that's just got to start singing your song again. God didn't have to say, all right, Moses, now it's time. Now you can sing. But at the moment the enemy went down, we transitioned to chapter 15, and it starts with that bang. Then sang Moses. Moses said, God, you've done what I couldn't do. God, you've worked where I couldn't work. You've answered where I couldn't answer. So now I'm going to give you glory, and I'm going to give you praise, and I'm going to Sing my song to you. I will sing unto the Lord. For he had triumphed gloriously. Anybody in this building need that song tonight? 
I will sing unto the Lord. For he hath triumphed gloriously. How long has it been since you sang that song? When's the last time you sang as the remains of your enemy sat at the bottom of a sea? Come to say tonight, we're standing on the bank of deliverance. It's time to stop running. It's time to turn around and watch God destroy the enemies against us. Declare tonight to this church, it's time to sing again. It's time to rejoice again. It's time to realize and proclaim what God has done. Oh, Brother Hans, I've been battling this long time. Yeah, 400 years. I've had this enemy for a while. To that I say good. You'll know it was God when it's over with. 400 years. See, we think the lady who carried that issue for 12 years was excessive, but 400 years? Some of us throw in the towel after 40 minutes. And that might be generous. 400 years. But watch this. From the time God appeared unto Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 all the way to the end of Exodus 40 only took one year of time. When God got in it, a 400-year problem was over just like that. What am I saying? You don't have to struggle any longer. You can be free today. You can be delivered today. You can sing your song. You can rejoice in your God. I say tonight, if Moses can sing, surely we can sing. Surely we can remember our day of deliverance. What are you doing, Brother Hodge? I'm trying to spark something in this church. Because when Moses started singing, it was contagious. The people started singing. I'm never going to come in this place and hold a microphone and ask you to praise a God that I won't praise. I'm never going to walk to this pulpit and ask you to worship a God that I won't worship. You know why? Because I learned a long time ago, if the man of God will worship God, then it will get on the people of God. Oh, come on. We got a worshiping pastor. We got a worshiping staff. We got a worshiping leadership around here. I'm just reaffirming some concepts tonight. What started in verse 1 with just the preacher kept on going all the way down to verse 20 when Miriam took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. And you know what she was singing? The very same song Moses was singing. Because true worship brings a unity to a body of believers that nothing else will. You watch. You let trouble come and you let tragedy happen and everybody will bind together. They'll rally. But just a few days. But you let a spirit of worship get. It'll bring unity to a body of believers. That's why we come and we plead with you to worship because if we will unite around him in worship, it will bring a unity to this place that nothing else will. 
See, somebody said, well, it don't take all of that. We ain't got to do all of that. I beg to differ. Because the style of worship that we use, I could prove to you from the Bible. Psalm 47 and 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Psalm 63 and 4. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Psalm 149 and 3. Let them praise his name in dancing. You just thought we were crazy. We just being obedient to the word of the Lord. He told us to do all this stuff. You don't take all that. Yes, it does. You didn't read that out of some commentary. That's right out the scripture. But even beyond that, let me be, let me be good. When I think about what the Lord has brought me from, something wants to come out of me. Don't you feel that way tonight? There's a song that he put in my soul when he saved it that wants to sing. There's a dance that gets in my feet. There's a clap that gets in my hands. When I look around and see what he's doing, for me, it takes all of that. And then some. If it was good enough for Moses, good enough for me. Even David answered a very critical wife when she judged his worship and said, if you think that was something, wait till tomorrow. Wait till the next time. Don't ever let some sour head rob you of your worship. Now, I better be good because I'm meddling right now. But don't ever come into the house of God and feel intimidated to give God the praise and glory that he's worthy of. You know your story. You know what he's done for you. Nothing should ever hinder your praise and your worship. Somebody, you just don't know like I know what he's done for me. When you see me giving him glory, just look and say, he must have been awfully bad because he's got a lot of praise. And that'll be all right. You're always free to worship God in this house. Thank, thank you for that. That's a great thing. This is a place of liberty. And I'm thankful for that. Let me get to my message tonight. And even started on it. Got 10 minutes. I'm going to make it. I promise. I'm going to get nervous. I build big, long foundations. Y'all know that by now. And we got to go an hour on Wednesday night. Y'all know that? An hour. Got to do it. Here we go. They're having a high and holy time. They're rejoicing. They're praising. It's looking good. But minutes after the last note was sung, the waves hadn't even settled on the sea after swallowing up the enemy. The dust of four million feet still hovering in the air like a cloud, they encountered a problem. Bitter water. Surely this can't be happening. We just sung the song of deliverance. We have just danced our troubles away. Bitter water. You gotta be kidding me. Good job, Moses. Good job, preacher. You led me out here to die. May have been under oppression back there, but I have what I needed. I learned how to cope. I learned how to survive. I'd adapted to the lifestyle. 
Now I didn't listen to you, and we done got free. And what good is it? And their murmuring was birthed because they didn't fully understand God yet. Hmm. You see, they thought because Pharaoh was dead, God was finished. They thought they had arrived. At this point, they were good praisers, but God wanted to turn them into worshipers. Hear me tonight. Many can make a praiser. They can offer a testimony. They can tell a great deliverance story. And what these people didn't know yet is what keeps us still today. He's not just a God that can get you out, but he's a God that'll take you into better. He's a God that'll take you in to greater. See, many die along the way because they followed him out, but they never submitted to the journey that would lead them in. Hear me tonight. If there were obstacles on the way out, don't you think there's going to be obstacles on the way in? That's why your praise is so valuable. That's why it reminds you of your past, and it evolves into your worship for your future because it is pushing you, and it is propelling you. Here's the principle tonight. God started where you were, but he's going to take you and bring you to where he is. What they didn't realize was this is just the beginning. God had somewhere for them to be. God had something for them to do. It was more than just a song and a shout. They were to be a people separated unto God. They were to be a great nation. They had a Messiah to produce. There was greatness ahead of them, but they had moved, but they had to move from the banks of past victories to get there. God allowed some bitter water to come into their life so they wouldn't get stuck but that they would keep moving as he moved. Anybody know what I'm preaching tonight? Bitter water. We don't like it, but many times it's the very thing that keeps us moving forward with God. It's not just living in a testimony with no future. I'm not trying to diminish what God has done, but if you stop there, you will die. And worse, you will never become what God planned for you to be. And sometimes he leads us through bitter water just to make sure we keep walking with him because it's the bitter water that drives us to our knees. It's the bitter water that makes us cry out. It's the bitter water that makes us seek his face. It's the bitter water that makes us feel after him when we can't see him anywhere around. You know about bitter water? When the spouse says, I'm done, I'm through, bitter water. When the bank account runs dry, bitter water. When the kids are running wild, lost, out, away from God, bitter water. When the doctors say, I can't do anything else for you, bitter water. When the boss says, times are tough, got to cut, you're out, bitter water. When life throws you a curveball that you weren't expecting, bitter water. Yeah, we've been delivered, but there's all of this bitter water, and we don't like it, and we wish we could avoid it, 
But sometimes there's a blessing in it because it's God trying to move us into all that he's got for us. And I've come in the Holy Ghost to tell this congregation tonight, it's time to leave Mara. It's time to leave bitter water. Yeah, we've had some bumps. We've suffered some losses. We've been attacked from church folk and non-church folk. We've taken some lumps along the way. We've seen some wolves and sheep's clothing. We've seen some people leave. We've endured some tough seasons. It was bitter water. I stand here tonight declaring that bitter water is going to propel us into our purpose. And we are going to move forward, and we're going to be stronger, and we're going to be better, and we're going to be greater, and we are going to do what God has called us to do. The children of Israel couldn't just sit around and rejoice about what God had done. God said, I've got more for you to go do. I can't let you get comfortable. I can't let you sit still, but I've got to send something that will keep you in pursuit of me because I didn't want to just give you a testimony. I wanted to give you something to accomplish that would show that I'm a great God and I've got a great people. I'm telling this church tonight some of the things that we have seen and some of the things that we have gone through. It's God's way of moving us into the future and moving us into his purpose and moving us into his plan and making us the people that he has planned and purposed and called us to be. This house will be great. This house will see end time revival. This house will see the works of God within it because we have survived those seasons and we have kept our focus on him. We're not just content to come in and sing about yesterday, but we're worshiping a God that's got a future in front of us and a tomorrow plan that's greater than anything we've ever seen before. If you believe that with me tonight, why don't you stand and give him some praise and thank him tonight for his goodness and his mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know tonight we stand with dings in the armor. I know tonight we stand with a few soldiers down. The enemy has taken his shot and the water was bitter. But I'm telling you, God's purpose is sweet. We're going to move forward and we're going to accomplish the will of God for this church. Anybody in this place with me tonight? Anybody still have a little fight left? Anybody still believe we're here for a purpose? Anybody still believe, God, we're not just going through the motions. This is not just a meeting house. This is not something we do because we don't have anything else to do on Sundays or Wednesdays. But we have found you and we have proven you and we trust you and we're going to walk forward with you. Anybody still believe that tonight? I got more to say, but I'm going to leave it right there. Got more to say about how Moses brought it to pass. One of the very first things he did was he cried unto the Lord. When the bitter water came, he started crying. A church without prayer is a church without God. 
Oh, Brother Hyde, be careful. A church without prayer is a church without God. You can't tell me God's going to stay around where people don't talk to him. You can't tell me God's going to stay around where people don't call out to him. You can't tell me God's going to hang around just because he likes them. No, he's going where somebody is saying, God, you're good. God, we want to find your mind. God, we want to find your will. God, we want to find your purpose. We don't always understand you, God, but we trust you. We don't always know God, but we're with you. We don't always understand the path and the journey. We didn't like the bitter water, but we trust you, God. He cried. He cried to him. And the next place you find them, and I'm closing with this, ushers, come get ready. The next place you find them, when they left Mara, they went to a place called Elam. Went to a place called Elam. And at Elam, they had plenty of good water. It was a great place. And this is what Elam means in in the Scripture, if you look it up. And I was going to preach all this to you, but it took too long, my foundation. So here's the house. Elam is a place of expectation. Right behind bitter water is a place of expectation. Right when you survive the things you didn't understand, God says, I'm taking you to a place that you can't even imagine. That's where we're at. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. We've come through some things, and God's taken us to a place where we're going to walk in here, and we're going to believe him for things that we didn't believe him for before. We're going to have faith greater than the doubts that stole it and robbed it for us while we were there contending with all that bitter water. But when we get to that next place, we're going to walk in saying, our God is able to do anything. That's when cancers start falling off. That's when diagnosis that the doctors can't even make yet start to be healed. That's when people walk in and they lay down all kind of things on these altars and they walk out delivered and they walk out set free. That's what God said, go tell my people tonight. That's where they're at tonight. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these people that have come together tonight to worship you. I pray, God, that you would take this word you've left in my spirit, dropped in my spirit, put it in theirs, God. Let us latch a hold of these promises tonight, God, that are from the word of God, so therefore they are for us. We give you great praise. We thank you for your presence and your spirit that we feel in the house. In Jesus' name.